Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Coming up on this episode of White Wine Question Time. My wife's at home with this new baby. No sleep for five days without speaking to me. And I ring her and I'm pissed at her. Hi, I I'm, I'm sorry I've been in touch. I'm just on the piss with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> oh my god, I bet she hated you so hard. I shaved my head. You shaved your head? I went full Britney. Jesus. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be recognised. I passed him a donkey. I make a break into space. I'm thinking this is going to work again. But this time, Maradona gets attacked. Stupidly get the ball away. And I shaved for fuck's sake, Diego. That's it. <laughs> Diego. For fuck's sake, Diego. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a man who started out as a broadcast journalist, working his way up from local radio or the BBC to hosting shows like Tomorrow's World and Holiday before hot-footing it over to BBC Sport to become an anchor for Grandstand, the Athens Olympics, Six Nations Rugby and Wimbledon. Born and raised in a very well-heeled suburb of Dublin, he graduated university in Ireland and came to London to study journalism at the London College of Printing. Ten years ago, he joined BT Sport, where he's presided over their rugby and GP moto coverage, as well as covering the rugby for ITV. And then last year, this morning came calling, and he's now joined the show as one of their regular anchors, and he's going down a storm with viewers, and rightly so. He's a super nice guy with more than 25 years in broadcasting under his belt, who's as at home overseeing live rugby as he is dealing with whatever this morning throws at him, even unwittingly giving a duck an orgasm live on air. True story. Ever the pro, he rolled with it, as he did when Bill Murray inadvertently crashed the live Major League Baseball coverage he was hosting for BT Sport recently, causing chaos in the studio. 
Maybe that's why viewers love him and have been so quick to take to him. He's a father of four who's been married for 21 years now to Dune and they live in County Wicklow in Ireland from where he commutes to, well, wherever work takes him. It's been a while since we caught up. I am really looking forward to this one. Let's dial him in, shall we? It's Craig Doyle. How are you, sir? <laughs> oh, gosh, my life just flashed in front of me right there. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's mad. It's lovely to see you. Um, you you're one of the first people in TV that was nice to me. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I met you at, um, you were with, I can't remember. I'm going to, you were with, oh, Sue, uh, Liz Bonham. Yes. Lovely and, Liz. And I was at a, I was at a thing. It was a charity thing in town and Although I was in television, I didn't know anyone, and I just, I was really at ease, uneased at the whole scenario. I didn't know when everyone seemed to know everyone, TV or TV, and I wandered around, and, and yourself and Liz were at the bar, and I came over and bored you both for 20 minutes and went home. You did not And uh, <laughs> Well, you know, I was, uh, I was just happy to see somebody welcoming faces. Uh, so, yeah, that's a long time ago. Do you know what, Craig, it really is, because I think, you and I were both working in the same unit at the BBC. So we weren't doing the same shows, but we were both hosting their travel coverage. And you were like the daddy of the pack. You had the main job, the main anchor on holiday. And I came in and did films for them and couldn't believe. Like I, I was literally, I, I remember phoning my mum and dad going, they send you on holiday and they pay you. Now, obviously, it's not a holiday. It's very hard work. But I just couldn't get my head around. Like, you get on a plane and they pay you. And like, my first shoot was in Antigua. I was like, I'm actually getting paid for this. Wow. And, and then I moved on to different segments of the show. And, and I literally, like you, saw the world, courtesy of the BBC. It was mind-blowingly brilliant. And I always looked out for you at those, sort of, you know, when you have to go for those drinks. Yeah. That's what, what. That's where we would have met. I always wanted to come and say hi, and yeah, because because you know what, we'd all share the same cruise, and I knew you were a good guy because the crews loved you, and they don't lie, especially after six beers in the bar. <laughs> no, they don't. Six would have been a light night. Yeah, <laughs> if you were shooting with Roland Rivron, I mean, it's oh, just a warm up. Uh, yeah, I mean, it it was an extraordinary time, wasn't it? Um, because mm. we were making this TV show that was watched by six and a half million people a week. Okay? You think about that now. I know. And there was no social media. There was no scrutiny. You just went off and did whatever you want. I mean, I used to just, we just had the biggest night out. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, wherever you are in the world, you know. And, you know, not, not nasty stuff, just fun. And there was no repercussions no one's snapping you no one no stories no camera phones nothing nothing but the other side of that what was weird about it was that i spent my whole time on the road like you and i do 28 trips a year yeah and you you'd be four of you away so you're on this show that was watched by millions and millions of people and you'd be in magazines and all that stuff over here but you'd come home and you didn't feel like you're in tv you didn't know anyone because you hadn't met anyone because you're on your own with the crew and I'd go off and I was living in the flat with a couple of mates of my kids playing Rook J5's rugby. 
Yeah. You know, I, it, it was so weird. They're like, oh, yeah, on TV, you must have this. I was like, no, it's as normal as it could possibly be. And and we go to those nights out, Kate, and I'd be so completely intimidated by everybody at the table. I remember sitting beside Jeremy Clarkson at a dinner at the Groucho Club. I'm sorry. Years ago. <laughs> and he, he was just, he just made me feel really uncomfortable for yeah. two or three hours. And I never went home again. I remember taking a cigarette off and he was beside me smoking Marlboro Reds. I was like, I was shaking with fear because I was, Louis Theroux was there, all these amazing, and Jeremy Clark was an amazing broadcaster, right? All these people I really looked up to. And I remember I said, hey, sorry, Jeremy and Mr. Clark, can I, could I have one of your cigarettes? I just had to do something. And he gives a cigarette and he's to the whole table with, hey guys, thank fuck he's human. What's that supposed okay. to mean? I don't know. And then he started rubbing my face going, look at his fucking skin. <laughs> what? I don't know what he was doing. I know I left shortly after. <laughs> wow. That's sort of passive aggressive compliments. I don't know. I think he was being, I think he was just being lads. But maybe I kind of looked up to him quite a lot and I just yeah. couldn't cope with that. Because we weren't, like, as you said there, you're away all the time. So you're not in the scene. Mm. So you just weren't able for it. And I remember... I remember being put up for a quiz show. It was a long time ago. And I went to do the quiz show and the bosses of it turned around to a friend of mine and said, who was also on TV, and said, we like Craig, but we hear socially he's very, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the gift. Um, <laughs> I'm like, you have no idea. You've no idea what I'm like. Um, Where did that come from? Socially, he's very, very boring. Why does that mean that you're not qualified to host a quiz show? Because socially, I was very boring. Because <laughs> I guess, Kate, I was going to these, or not going to these do's, but when I would go, I'd, I'd stay for half an hour and just be a bit intimidated and leave. I was very shy in the environment. And I, I think in our business, everybody always seemed loud and gregarious and confident. And I'm like... I'm not like them. And our era had some brilliant broadcasters. This was the Jamie Steakster, Zoe Ball time. And you're like all these great people. And um, I never really felt a part of that. Do you know, it's you really know? interesting that you say that because being um, a part of that team at that time, um, certainly within the travel department, they spoke about you with such reverence. And you were, you know, you were, um, I guess what Holly is on this morning now, you were the figurehead of everything that sat underneath it. So we all, you know, I didn't sense any of that. I thought that they had huge respect for you, huge plans for you. Um, you know, you were the chosen one, the golden boy. It was the gig of all gigs, right? You'd taken it over from, who had done Holiday um, before? Poor old Jill. Poor old Jill Dando. Jill Dando, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, you, um, you're no stranger to stepping into some big old shoes, are you? <laughs> yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> That's show business, yeah. Isn't it just? It is. I mean... The, hey, the, talking the, of show business, of... how did you give a duck an orgasm, Craig? It's good with them, you know. I know my way around a duck. <laughs> duck in hell. <laughs> duck in hell. So, I love animals, right? I mean, not that much. Not much. But, <laughs> um, and I I don't know. I'm weird with animals. I melt. I'm, I had, we had seven puppies in the studio today. I just melt with animals. And... Um, I'm talking to this duck and I'm rubbing its tummy and it goes just starts doing this weird thing. It's like it goes into this trance, and then I think I'm like it has a pee, and I'm like, oh no, the duck's had a pee, and the other goes, I 
that's not pee. As this white liquid streams from her underbelly. Because you've just made her very, very happy. <laughs> I had ducks dropping into my DMs for weeks, I tell you that. Sliding <laughs> in. Oh my goodness. So, but, and, but then, do you know what you did? You just recovered brilliantly. You sort of laughed it off and threw back to the studio. You just I mean, rolled with it. It's. So there's a great thing that happens, Kate, as you get older in television and you you literally stop caring what people think. Oh, yeah. You just don't care anymore. And it's so liberating. And it makes you a much better broadcaster because you're not concerned. You're concerned about the show. And, you know, you know the show needs to be these things. And you'll do that. And if you end up being the punch bag or coming out of it a bit stupid or a bit undignified, you don't care. And it makes work so much more fun. And I, I work with some young people and I can see them worried about people might think. And it's, it, it holds them back. You know? Yeah, I so think I, you're right. You know, I just roll with everything now. I don't, I, it doesn't matter. Even Bill I Murray. I cleaned up a dog poo. I cleaned up a huge dog poo live on telly today. <laughs> yeah, but if you've got four dogs at home, haven't you? That's like, you know. Dogs, cats, everything, kids, yeah. everyone's pooing. Everyone's pooing in my house. Exactly. You're just one <laughs> big poop scoop. <laughs> That's it. Poop, spook, scoop, toilet unblocker. That's what I did. Um, Bill Murray. That was one you didn't really see coming. It's, it's, it's one of those kind of um, tales of be careful what you wish for because John Goodman uh, from Roseanne was in the crowd watching this huge game of... Is, was it baseball? It was baseball, yeah. It was um, one of the London series. It was a proper major league baseball game. So uh, the Cardinals were, were overplaying and... Um, it was great, you know, the whole against the Cubs, Chicago Cubs. So Bill Murray is a Cubs fan and um, John Goodman is a Cardinals fan. And the, on the first day, he played over two days. The first day is I interviewed John Goodman. And I, th I don't know, he, he was very reflective. We had an interview last about five minutes and he got quite upset. It was really interesting, quite emotional during it. And I, what a lovely man, you know. The next day they said, Bill Murray's here. We're going to send them over to you. He's going to give you one and a half minutes. That's it. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. So Bill Murray comes over. I'm completely in awe. It's goddamn Bill Murray, you know. And uh, just before we go live, I'm going to break it. Said, Bill, what, how do you want to do this? And he said, what do you want to do? I said, whatever helps you, man. And he goes, I'll play it straight, throw some questions, then I'll play around for a minute, and then we're done. I said, beautiful. And so he, it's fairly straight going. And then he starts messing. I can see he's getting a bit giddy. And then I spot John Goodman over the far side. I'm like, John's here. He goes, all oh, right. I said, do you want to say hello to him? He's like, yeah. I said, can we get a camera on this? The two of us start calling me over barriers. And then it just kicks off. And he's throwing stuff. And it's chaos for eight minutes. He was singing Sweet Caroline. You had to join in, didn't you? Yeah, sang Sweet Caroline with him. He's throwing stuff everywhere. It's just kicking off. And, but it's chaos. But on the final bars of Sweet Caroline, he manages to open a baseball cap, stick it on my head and shake my hand and walk out a shot as the music ends. Like he knows what he's doing. But it was cool. It was great. It was great. Uh, see, see that, those moments I love. I think that's when you really come alive doing the job that we do. It's also where you earn your money. Um, so for me, I welcome those, those, those moments. But I know some people would literally you know, lose sleep at the thought of it. That's when it's at its best. 
Hold a cue, you could do that all day. It's doing your sleep. That's the, the chaos is the fun stuff. And actually, off the back of that, I'm the new host of ITV's uh, NFL show with OC and Jason. Oh, yeah. Which starts this Friday, yeah, because the NFL saw that, saw that stuff and went, who's this guy? <laughs> so he did you a massive favor. Correct. Next time you need a job, who are you going to call? <laughs> Bill Murray. Good, I Bill see what Murray. you've done there. Got it? <laughs> Very good. I'm here all week. <laughs> You'd be looking for 15% money. Um, before we jump into your first question, you've just come oh. off air at this morning. You were at the NTAs last night. How's yeah. it going fitting in with one of Britain's most familiar families? Um, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I've been in and out of there for about a year. Um, and then obviously what happened happened um before the summer and i was able to just help him out on that front and probably enjoyed it more than well i hadn't really considered what it would be like but it's great fun it feels like proper old school telly you know what i mean and it, it's very welcoming brilliant production team i i love like holly holly willoughby is an absolute goat she's a very lovely lovely human being and, and probably people need to realize that you know um she really person. is. She's also an excellent technical live presenter. And she never gets the props that she deserves on that front either. Um, and, you know, full transparency, Holly is a proper, genuine friend of mine. Um, so obviously I'm going to say she's great, but I actually genuinely, stepping back, think she is technically fantastic. And you're right, a good go-to person. One of the best I've ever worked with, mm. ever. And I, I didn't know Holly beforehand. I've met her once or twice, but as I said, I don't really mix in any circles. I had no prejudgment, nothing. I went in there and I only ever judge people by they behave with me, what's in front of me. I don't care about anything else. And I can spot an arse hole from a very, very far distance. She is a wonderful person, a really, really kind, lovely person. It's so lovely when actually meritocracy comes into play and somebody's experience counts for something. And that's what was so nice to see you get the call up. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, yeah, it's nice. I didn't expect it. I feel like I'm on my second, if not third lap of this business. Yeah. And, you know, I've had it reported back to me, you know, when gigs come up, they go, yeah, we like Craig, but he's just not famous enough. Or he's not showbiz enough. Or he's not something enough. It's a bit boring um, socially. <laughs> yeah, it's socially boring. That whole duck thing is weird. <laughs> uh, it's so nice to be enough. To quote Ken from Barbie, it's nice to be enough. Bless you, we're quoting Ken. Are you ready to dive into the first of three questions for you? Yes. Great. I am ready. The first one is all about first impressions. Because when you first met your wife, Dune, I would argue that you didn't make a great first impression based on the fact that you went to check her out in a gym that she was working at, but you didn't have any gym wear. So you turned up in shorts and shoes, which is deeply unsexy, Craig. <laughs> it's pretty unsexy. Um, it's, as mm. first impressions go, I mean, you obviously had a bit of a mountain to climb in terms of pulling it back from there and turning things around. So could you tell me a little bit more about that one? And also when something has started out with a bad first impression that you've managed to turn into something that's come good. 
and the mountain was Himalayan. Uh, she was working part-time in a gym uh, and was studying design. And a mate of mine, Neil Ryan, who's tall, handsome, gravelly voiced, dark, rugby player, kind of, he's like, uh, daughter, hey, you got to see this bird. No, I met her. She won't come near me, though. She won't come near me. You got to see this one. She's up in the gym. Come on, we go up. And I said, Reiner, I've got like, nothing with me. And I'm in a pair of like black shoes <laughs> and socks. And socks! He gives me shorts and a t shirt. And I'm going, clap, 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 shoes into this gym. And I see this girl. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, no way. This is like, she's so out of my league. And then she gave me a pass to come back to the gym again. I wore trainers at the time. And we, uh, <laughs> We Please went tell out me you wore proper gym wear. I did proper gym wear. And we went out for uh, four of us, one of her pals. And Neil, we went out for IT lunch after she finished her shift. And then there was a long period of me just being terrified. Until finally, I was in a nightclub called Annabelle's in Dublin, which was very famous. I'm sure you've been there. I have. <laughs> and another mate of mine, uh, Niall, and another friend, Mark Riley, literally picked me up and pushed me in front of her. And I started talking to her. And still no pictures. Still, she and wasn't I, biting. Well, I, I was so terrified. I didn't want to know what was going to happen next. I mean, she was so beautiful. I was like, this is like ridiculous. I have no chance. So we went on a date in Greystones. I wore a woolly orange polo neck. Wool, woolly jumper thing. That was torn in there. I mean, what was I doing? I was driving a white mini metro and the date's going quite well. And I looked at my watch and said, I have to go. I've got to text my mum from Bridge. <laughs> That's worse than shoes in the gym. And or is it? The, it's quite no. sweet. And then the, it was the moment I should snog her. It's like, it's snog time. And I shook her hand. <laughs> yep. How, how so do you, you see end up this guy this ducks orgasm and, you know, <laughs> I'm not that guy. So, and then, well, you are, as we know, Craig, you're good with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was that, and then we just you know something we just went out on a load of dates and and the rest is history. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a fight back. You really had to claw it back then. But have you ever had you know? Um, I knew I was in love very, very quickly, though. Did I, you? I don't think I'd ever been in love before, and I, I knew I was in love after very like, three or four weeks. Like, oh, fuck. So this is what I feel like. It's horrible. I feel sick. I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> well, you're so out of control, aren't you? Mm. Your emotions are not your own. Awful. Did Awful. you not like falling in love? Mm, it doesn't feel good. Because oh, of the lack weird. of control? The butterflies and the yeah. can't think about anything else. Well, it's fortunately, not... you've only had to do it once. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, there's the been our our duck, the odd goose. <laughs> when do you think she's got to see the real you? When uh, you know, once you've managed to get past all your awkwardness. First date. I mean, I, that's me. I am quite awkward. You're not. I'm awkward. Come on, we. You know. You've seen me at do's where I'm wandering around, not knowing what to do. Looking for the that. exit. You should have seen me. You should have seen me last night at the NTAs. Go on. How was it? 
God, get to this red carpet. So we're in a, I'm in a bus with Phil Vickery, Lisa Snowden, uh, Shan, um, uh, Sharon Marshall, uh, Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott Levin. And uh, it's taken us an hour and a half to get across London. The they put you all so, in one bus. I thought they'd be like the royal family and make you all travel separately in case there's a you know, uh, terrible accident. What would happen daytime? <laughs> the rain would well, be extended. Like, sorry, uh, we're showing you Midsummer's murders for the next week. <laughs> Everyone's dead. Um, we, no, we got like separate little van things. Literally just jump in when that was available. But like we're halfway across this and I'm like, I can't go to this. They're all describing the red carpet to me. I haven't been to one of these before, okay? No. I've never done never. this No. In 25 like, years? I, I know, but I just wouldn't go. I wouldn't get invited. I wouldn't, I'm not on the crew. I'm not on the gang. So I never get invited. So I'm like, there's the same things we need to stop. I went in, like a lot of cans of gin and tonic and cans of lager and we just got a bit tanked up in the car. And Lisa Snowden, like, she looked at my face when we stopped at the red car. She's like, are you, are you okay? I'm like, no. <laughs> what do I do? She goes, fine. She literally held my hand up. And then, so you do the first bit and there's kind of group shot. And then a couple of people ask. So, the, so you go on a red carpet, there's two fears. Somebody's going to photograph you and ask you a question. Or the other fear nobody's going to photograph you or ask a question <laughs> and for both to happen or one of them to happen you have to basically walk out in the red carpet and just stand there like this and hope something craig craig over here and if they don't you just like it's really awkward so i did the first bit with everyone else and then i saw the next bit like this running track and i just ran up there <laughs> i didn't do one photograph not did one. you know no, and I look back, I put everyone behind me. All the other this morning people were all like doing all the same. <laughs> like, fair play. I wish I had the confidence to do that, but I don't. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, 52 years old, man. <laughs> You're like roadrunner down that red carpet. Oh. Beep, beep. <laughs> How do you handle that? How do you handle that kind of thing? Um, with the same trepidation that you do, mm. actually. And I, I try to avoid the questions. <laughs> Just get the hell in there. Yeah. It's more difficult for a woman as well because you're so you're so judged in how you look on those occasions. It's like a meat market. It's 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 weird, yeah. you know. Which is why I, I think you know it's it's really interesting. Actually, I was chatting to somebody yesterday, and I just said, you know, I'm a, I'm at a stage in life now. I think where I prefer to be heard rather than seen, and yeah, it's probably a lot down to do with you know not feeling as confident in yourself as you once did but equally it's like actually i'd just rather be judged on what i've got to say rather than what i look like in a dress which was probably my entire prime time television experience you know you'd come off air and you'd you'd kept the show on uh, on air when the autocue went down or something went wrong and you're all wanting to like get straight up, you know straight up to gallery to go oh my god that was well done guys well done on that and that and that and then you've just got somebody sat there going I'm not sure about that green dress. You know, you're like, really? Just f fuck off. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like, right? You know, it's not fair, is it? It's tough. No. And it's um, it's unfair. It, it feels unfair. So, yes, I think women do have, you know, mm -hmm. a, a, a far far more difficult time of that. You know, you just stand there and go, which of these three suits shall I wear? They all look the same. We don't yeah. get Yeah, yeah. But, hey, you know. On, on, on the plus side of it, on one side of the red carpet are all just TV fans, public. Yeah. And and you can have lovely chats all the way. And and that's quite nice. Um, look, I'm not knocking it. It's part and parcel of it. And this is on me. 
and my insecurities not being able to deal with it. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's something I find difficult. And I get why it happens. It fills magazines, it promotes shows, it helps with publicity for lots of things. Even charities and stuff rely on this stuff. So I get it. I'm just saying that I personally find it difficult. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you're alone. I think there's a lot of people that have um, genuine sort of, you know, anxiety at the thought of it. It's mm. not natural. Actually, what we do isn't natural. <laughs> no. You know, it really isn't. It's the most bizarre thing in the world when you actually boil it down, isn't it? It is. It's because it takes, you need to be a bit of a show off and probably a bit of a narcissist to do it in the first place. Um, but it's also great fun. Mm. Like it's it great can be. fun. Yeah. And you meet cool people and you hear great stories and it's challenging and there's a really brilliant, brilliant side. It's not, it's not all about being on telly or being on video or being on a pod. Like it, 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 there's an enjoyment to the process. Oh no, it, it's the things. job. I love yeah. the job, don't you? Fun, yeah. It's I've fun. always said I love the hour, you know, mm. that whatever, of whatever you're doing. It's all the stuff that gets wrapped around it that mm. has less appeal. Yeah. The politics. Yeah. The, are you famous enough? Are you thin yeah. enough? Yeah. All of that stuff. No, yeah. That yeah. But I think that's changing slowly. I really do. I really do. Mm. Has there been any other time when you've made a devastatingly bad first impression but have gone on to recover it well? I've said some really stupid things to people. Like really stupid stupid things um oh there's like my favorite chat show host in the world and i met him for the first time i was on the show and then i met him afterwards and said something trying to be funny i did it just it was awful and Who's the I chat never, show host i can't even think about it i still gives me it's probably 15 years ago it still gives me reflux it's not terry wogan no Oh, thank you. No. For that. Um, Parky. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, no, but it was bad. I actually can't. Gay Burn. No, Irish I, legend. I even, <laughs> <laughs> Is um, your lips sweating? <laughs> I have I have a moment every day where I do something I regret like that. I would have a very short attention span and uh, I would have huge difficulties concentrating. And I like to get a reaction. I've always been like that since I was a kid. And it gets me into trouble constantly. So, yeah, that's a bad for Jeez, you need to adjust your filter, my friend. Can't dump. <laughs> the thing is, when you do a show like this morning, you genuinely start to forget you're on telly because it goes on for so long. All the time. Yeah, I've and done then it loads. when you're looking at a bit, kind of rehearsing where you're going to walk to and stuff. I'm like, even this one, about, are we in town you now? They're like, no, it's 15 minutes of it. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was, I'm wary talking about this because it's funny, we have an item about ADHD tomorrow on the show. But, and I'm wary talking about it because it's quite a, a lot of people talk about ADHD and having ADHD and all that. But as a kid, uh, the doctors didn't know what it was called, but they spoke to my mom about there being a thing. They tried to medicate me more than let them medicate me. And it was only later in life that I got a diagnosed because my kids were like, why do you took my forgetfulness? You know, worried about it. Like, I, I can't, I, you can't believe the things I forget, crash cars, things I say. 
the way I deal with calendars and dates and things, I have three different calendars. I have a wall calendar, a file of facts, and a phone. They all have to. So if I can't see a week on a wall, I can't understand it. So if you were saying to me, you would say to me, what are you doing next Thursday? I'd almost go into panic. And uh, my wife in particular was at me for years and just, can you, can you please, we, I think you put something up. And so I went and got it all checked out and it turns out there was, uh, which was like a form of But it is very complex and uh, it, there's different forms of it and there's a hyperactivity side which I don't have, but there is uh, another side of it which makes you very disorganized, very difficult to deal with numbers, deal with information given to you and you have no filter. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's go to our next question. Go Timing is often everything. And I wondered when has timing in life worked for you and when has it worked against you? Well, I think in most businesses, but particularly in our business, you, you need to always put yourself in numerous positions where if the timing becomes right, you're there to, to, to kind of jump in. I guess what you're doing is making sure you're in space if something comes up. And that can take years sometimes, you know. So, you know, I've had numerous jobs over over my life, you know. And um, I was doing rugby and ITV for a year. Then the opportunity came along with BT, and it was just good timing. I was in the space, and that opportunity came up. And you know, it it changes and grow, and you have to move on to keep yourself interested. And you know, that's why we do this gig as well, isn't it? Totally. But also, I remember when we were doing the travel show. So, I mean, I, I, even now, Craig, I stand back and when somebody says, what's been your favourite job? For me, it has to be doing all of the travel shows because I would never have seen the world in the way that I did. No. And it, 
you know, for a working class girl from the country, it absolutely broadened my horizons. It taught me so much and I loved it, but I had to give that up to take the X Factor. Yeah. So I'd managed to juggle it doing Pop Idol, but it was just it just wasn't workable. And and frankly, the network didn't want me doing a big BBC One mm. show when I was doing a big ITV mm-hmm. show. So, you know, the timing there was both a blessing and a curse for yeah. me. I know for you as well, when you stood down from holiday, it was because you needed to be at home. You needed to be I present did. in your family's yep. life. And mm. you can't be when you're on a plane every second week. No, no, it wouldn't have. It would have been disastrous. Um, my son came with you. He was like three on our last trip to New York and the Queen Mary. It felt like a way to end it. Um, so, but I didn't, I didn't find it difficult to leave probably because I was moving into something I really wanted to do, which was like when I was in school at 14 in careers, I told them I wanted to present grants on the BBC and I was laughed at the yeah. room. And they sent me off to do work experience with the tea marketing company. <laughs> Going around supermarkets, making sure shelves are stacked. Because that's like that, isn't it? They're, they're similar. Like, it's so similar. And I thought, fuck, you know, I'm going to do this kind of by myself. So when I was doing the holiday program and grandstand was sitting there, something that was going to happen in the future, it was, it was easy to finish the travel show knowing that I didn't realise what, what drama lay ahead, but um, yeah. So actually the timing was was good in so many ways, but in other ways probably not, because ultimately you ended up leaving there after how long? Well, the timing good there to get into it. The timing was wrong when it came to the Athens Olympics because I wasn't ready to do something at that scale. I was working with some brilliant broadcasters. So you had Steve Ryder and Stu Barker Blimey. and Gary Lindner as the main anchors and then Claire Balding and I do another stuff. So Claire and I presented the highlight show from Athens every evening and then every second day I would do the daily Olympic coverage. And I was so raw. I didn't have a clue. I think I'd only presented four or five grandstands and that was my first time ever in a live studio. Wow, in at the deep end, Craig. Yeah, that's, well, I mean, that's a big jump from working with a four-man oh, crew and one it's, camera. It's, it's like cooking dinner for your family at home and then a week later having to be the head chef in a restaurant. Yeah, that's a very it, good it's, analogy. It's huge. And I failed really badly. And the timing there is wrong because a year later, it might have been okay. But it was so bad. The newspapers were so nasty every day. And I read them. I read them. And, oh, don't you know, read, people Don't, would don't read stuff. your reviews. Oh, man. I mean, there was like a front page of the Sunday Independence, and I'll never really get over it. I'll never get over it because of how it affected my father, mum, particularly my father. But the front page of the Sunday Independent, uh, while I was in Athens, said, Doyle hated in Britain. Now, imagine reading, imagine reading that about your, your, your child. I always yeah. think about that from my dad's perspective. My mum's father. Um, and because I was just, wasn't very, I was, yeah, I wasn't very good at that. But, um, and it was just awkward. It was all, in fact, one MP uh, apparently tabled a question and 
uh, question time. Uh, my suitability to be working at a national broadcaster during a, a, an event like the Olympics. You can't have been that bad, Craig. Sorry. You... It was bad. Was it? Really? Yeah, but also... Are you just being hard on yourself because you believed the press? No. Okay. Um, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And what happens is once that starts, you're on every night. So judgment's made, that's it, you're toast. I've seen it happen to others. Mm. And, uh, but how else so do you that... learn, right? How else do you learn to become a live sports reporter that's mm. used to working at that level on multicam there is no other way to learn apart no. from on the job. That's, well, that's probably, the difficulty. I probably needed to go a bit slower. Yeah. But I think I'd come from the holiday program where I guess, I see, I had no self-awareness of my position in the TV world. I said, well, the way in traveling around the world, I didn't know I was a TV person, star, whatever you want to call it. So they think they could plop, just plop me into that position and, and I wasn't ready for it. So. That was timing that was bad, really bad. And, and ultimately then the BBC didn't want to renew my contract. And I had two children, like a proper meltdown. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I slowly built it back up again, uh, doing smaller bits for them and kind of fixed it, but it took a long time. It took a long time. So I'm so grateful when something like this morning happens. I'm so grateful. Like I can't, I cannot tell you how grateful I am. Well, you should. I mean, it's great to have gratitude, but equally, you've never stopped trying to improve, Craig. So I would argue that it's very well deserved. Well, you can't, can you? You have to always work to, work to improve. But people don't. People don't. A lot of people think all they've got to do is walk into an, a villa on mm. telly, oh, yeah. possibly get it on with somebody, and <laughs> therein lies a broadcast career. And, and, mm. in, and in some cases, that... that Turns out to be true. Yeah, well, I told you about <laughs> the first day with my wife. That <laughs> Is this gig walking into a castle more? <laughs> so you say, how do you deal with it? Like, you listen, I'm sure for you, when you talk about it, it stirs up a lot of, um, Yeah. you know, it stirs up a lot of stuff where you go, am I enough? Am I good enough? I shaved my head. You shaved your head? I went full Britney on it. Jeez, did you? Yeah. Because I didn't want to be recognised. Yeah, I get that. I didn't want to. It's like because you're you go mad, right? And you think every because it's your bubble, but it's no one else's bubble. No one else really gives a shit. But they don't, honestly. We yeah, make it so massive in our own minds, don't we? Yeah. yeah. Back then, I wouldn't. Know. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. You know? I often think about it when you go like you know, like Florence or something. You see like it's a statue, and it's cracked and broken at its most beautiful, and you think. So, like, when that was made, it was all kind of clean lines and lovely and probably got great, but it wasn't as interesting as it is now. Yeah. You know, the cracks and the weathering make us more interesting. Well, in Japan, when they, when they repair a broken vase, they repair it not with glue, but with, uh, like, a gold leaf so you can see where the cracks are. Oh, nice. Yeah. Get see? That's what yeah. we are, babe. We're just two yeah. old Cook. broken vases. <laughs> And <laughs> um, finally, before we move on to the next question, in terms of timing, talk to me about the time you get a phone call to say, Craig, we want you to play football for Soccer Aid and Maradona's going to be on the pitch. And you get to hear a commentator go, Doyle to Maradona, Maradona to Doyle. I mean, 
That's a moment, isn't it? That is a moment. Um, and yeah, not even, I mean, that the time was great of that phone call. Um, I remember getting the call and getting on the tube and thinking about it and then saying yes at the end of the tube journey. Um, what was really exciting was Rude Hollow. There's a um, blast from the past. Didn't he do a lager advert? He did. Yeah. Um, oh, I had this really bad moment with his wife at the lager. God, I just reminded me because we all lived to get, we all stayed together and went to Chelsea's apartment, and we were having drinks one night. And I told his lovely wife and himself, and I was awkward, the awkwardness, you know, the geeky awkwardness. I was telling you about everybody there, <laughs> Robbie and Brian McFadden are singing on the piano and Gaza, and I'm just like, this is mental. I love it. I feel I'm just imposter syndrome, and and Rude Holland. Is the team manager is going to be with his wife? Have been really nice to talking to me. I can imagine, you know, fuck this guy. And I'm gesticulating, telling some story, and I, I knock the half pint of beer out, and and it goes in the air, <laughs> and I make to bed right up. <laughs> but Rude Hollett selected his starting eleven for Soccer Aid live on TV the night before. Right. We had a special soccer age show on Friday night of the day in the studio in South Bank. And all, whatever, 25 of us, 26 of us from the rest of the world squad were there. And he named his starting to 11 live on TV. And I remember him going, number one in goals, Peter Schmeichel. Number two, right back, Craig Doyle. And I'm like, <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> number three, Dunga. Number four, Marcel Desailly. The whole thing was nuts. So we played this match. I was terrified. I was also terrible. I was responsible for both of England's goals. I was awful. But <laughs> I did. I was terrible. I was well, terrible. rugby is your game, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm shit at every sport game. Okay. I was trying. I, played, I play every sport still, but I'm terrible at rugby. I'm geeky. <laughs> I run like a duck. This is why I can make ducks orgasm. I basically <laughs> I pass the ball. Peter Schmeichel passes me the ball. Schmeichel, Schmeichel, hit me, hit me, hit me. Pass me the ball. I see Maradona's free, I lay off a pass to him, I make a break, he passes back to me, I put in the cross. Uh, five minutes later, Schmike, Schmike, give me the ball, 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 ball. He rolls the ball to me, I make a little break, I see Maradona's free, I pass to Maradona. I make a break into space. I'm thinking this is going to work again, but this time Maradona gets tackled. Stupidly gives the ball away, and I shout, for fuck's sake, Diego. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Diego, Mara, for fuck's sake, Diego. So at halftime, I was like, yeah, you've got an injury. I'm like, no, I'm great. No, you have an injury. You're, you're <laughs> but it was an extraordinary time. Extraordinary moments See, in life. Yeah, for all the times where the job makes you want to shave your head or, you mm. know, crawl under the nearest duvet. Yeah. Um, there are those moments that make ah. it so memorable, aren't they? But it's 99% awesome. Yeah. It is. Even this case, us, like, like I haven't seen you in years and we shared kind of almost side by side our kind of, our youth in the business and grew and you went off and did your other thing. And, and then you get, because of this broadcasting common interest we have, we get to chat. Yeah. It's a cool thing. It's yeah. a very generous industry for lots of things, you know. It is. And you know what? It beats 
actually working for a living. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I've never had to do it. <laughs> Professional duck orgasm giver. That's right. I ain't got that on my CV. Yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> okay, third and final question. Okay. <laughs> Your passport has seen some proper action over the years. Hmm. What are the best stories that sit behind some of the stamps that sit within it? Ah, such a good question. That's such a good question. I've, I've been through, I don't know, of course, the holiday program went through three. Um, and I always had two on the go because one would be off getting a visa. Um, yeah, that's what I remember. We, had, we were allowed to have two or three passports, weren't yeah. we? Felt yeah. so special. Like, I was this lad. I know. Um, you go, I well, I've lost my passport. Don't worry, somebody's just going to fly a new one out to you. Like, how does this happen? Yeah. Like, how does this exist in the real yeah. world? Yeah. I'll just get a new one. It's fine. Um, I remember I was, I went to Belize. I always wanted to see more South America. I should have mm. gone to see more of it. Went to Belize. That's a good passport stamp. Nice. Yeah, I did Nicaragua. Looks... You did Belize. I was yeah. yeah. A Z yeah. on on your your passport and then your passport yeah. is good. Um, so I go to Belize and I go to the middle. I mean, we are we do do a couple of days in. We do a couple of days in some amazing resort, and then we go to the middle of nowhere, some river, and we're like, I'm in like, I'm in a shack. And like, do you remember Ed Vetter? Remember a producer called Ed Vetter? Yeah. So I'm with Ed Vetter and middle of nowhere. And they've got this shack, people camping, and there's a river, very remote. And they have this shack and they're serving rum, white rum. So like, white rum here. So we're talking into white rum, Ed and I, and I'm chatting. I say, hey, there's a, there's a parrot. They want to block up down this river. But there's a very rare parrot living in this river, <clears throat> and it's it's going to go extinct if they take away its its, its infrastructure, its environment, and it'd be really sad. I wonder should we talk about that when we film here tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. And next thing I hear this voice behind me, this light American accent. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. Um, what did you say about the parrot? I'm like, um, oh well, it's interesting. Look, because can I sit with you, my friend? I'm like, sure, yeah. So this beautiful woman, blonde woman, sits down to me and she gets her rum and we're chatting and about the parrots. She's asking what are we doing and um, and then we're about six minutes into the chat and then I go in my head, I'm like, you're Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, did you tell her who she was? Did you do that? I didn't. What do I do? So I'm like, um, I don't know. How do I tell her she's Cameron Diaz? Because <laughs> she's clearly not aware. So I'm like, what are you doing here anyway? She goes, I'm here. You know, this is my friend. Obviously, we just decided to come and see this part of the world. What are you doing? She goes, well, I work in television camera. At this stage, I don't think I even know her name because we haven't. Oh, no, she has introduced herself then. But we never mentioned the fact that she's Cameron Diaz. Right. How might I add that she mentioned that I'm Craig Doyle? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you that fella that's uh, yeah, from the Everest movie? windows? Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
we chat and we have a great time. We actually get quite drunk. And she, she looks like she'd be fun to have a she was you know, a night on the you know, beers with. She was great. And I said, listen, Cameron, tomorrow I'm kayaking along that river for this show on the BBC. Will you come with me? Of course I will. <laughs> We're gonna film an item with Cameron Diaz tomorrow. That's good. And we keep, yeah. Taking, keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we get a bit pissed. I I made it. We're talking about music. She's like, I really like this guy, Justin Timberlake. I think he's great. And I'm like, oh, I hate him. He's awful. And uh, oh, I no. like the music. I, I like when I was doing like I was into like Pixies and all that stuff. There's an Irish band you probably know called The Frames, Glenn Hansen, The Frames. Fitzcarraldo is the greatest album of all time. And I have the CD in my backpack. And I said, I'll be back in a second. I give her Fitzcarraldo by the frames. <laughs> you know, listen to that and change your life. Not that Timberlake stuff. I didn't know she'd just started going. Oh, my God. You didn't know. Well, of course you I did. But how, how would you? Yeah. How would I know? And then she oh. had a huge satellite phone with her. Now, Quinny, my eldest, was weeks old. Weeks old. And I'd been away for her life five days without talking to my wife because we're in the middle of the jungle right yeah because so, back then you couldn't you couldn't get a line out sometimes you would be oh no. filming somewhere and you could go for days without it's amazing right? yeah so I miss good. that you met people you actually had stuff to talk about yeah they because no one knew it what have you been up to this week well because i know most of it i've watched it on your instagram there was none of that you just no so my wife's at home with this new baby no sleep for five days without speaking to me and I ring her. God knows what the time difference was. And she's like, I hasn't slept and I'm pissed out of my mind. Like, I I just I I'm sorry I haven't been in touch. I'm just on the piss with Cameron Diaz. <laughs> oh my god, I bet she hated you so she's hard. Like, yeah right, I'll give me a dog goodbye. But um how old yeah, was, that was cool. how old was your, your baby? I'm gonna say about a couple of months. Month or two. Wow, and you ring her, she's probably got cracked nipples, she's knackered, yes, she's knackered. not sleeping, she's not heard yeah. from you, and you're on the yeah. piss in Belize Cameron. with Cameron. In the jungle. Yes. Yeah. 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 I wonder, did she ever listen to the frames that uh, I got full of? <laughs> <laughs> that she's was back cool. in her room going, I'm just singing, I'm going to rock your body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Timberlake, what? <laughs> well that's a good one that's yeah. a good stamp in the past that's a good one yeah um where else um falkland island falkland islands falkland islands i was there 10 years 20 years 86 the war 96 there 20 years after the war and um I felt like the place hadn't changed at all. It was extraordinary. It was like the 1950s. The local, the pub, the local pub, the pub in Stanley didn't have any um, beer taps, like cans of beer, you know, darts in the beer. It was lovely, very English, right? Um, but very odd, very lovely. But I walked up to Tumbledown Mountain, where the main battles took place. Tumbledown over the Stanley. And, you could see where the where the battles were. It was almost hand to hand combat up there. But these young men, you know, ten feet apart, going at each other with bayonets. I mean, horrific. But underneath rocks, uh, there were Argentinian soldiers blanket 
and plimsoll and uh, some bullets and um, like uh, tins of food and things because they just cleared out of it. They just they just ran out of it. These were these were young men who were ill-equipped to be over there in the yeah. weather. In plimsolls, like used to wear in the gym when you were like you know in the seventies, you know. And they no food. They're ill-equipped and probably didn't even know why they were fighting against British soldiers. Soldiers in this, this island, and uh, it was really harrowing to see all that, and it really stuck with me for a long, long time. And then. Yeah, there was just stuff doing everything, and uh, just hearing some of the stories of the after the the war when when the when it all finished up, everyone just left, and up in the around the hills there was just all these weapons. So the locals would get pissed and get tins of beer in the, in the pub, and they'd go up and like be firing bazookas. Oh God! <laughs> but it was extraordinary. Like time had stood still, you know. Yeah. That really sticks with me. Um, that was a very a very beautiful as well. I think travel teaches you so much. I'm so glad I did. Mm. Where's your favorite place? Oh, so many. Um, I did. I did um, an amazing trip in Uganda, oh, nice. where I trekked with the gorilla. Trekked for the gorillas. Yeah, it was amazing. I remember, I remember and I remember waking up so we, we were in Uganda and it, the same, it was in the same camp so they'd asked the BBC to come back and film there to kind of encourage people to come back because tourism mm. was a huge part of their economy and previously there'd been a terrible incident where rebels had kind of risen up uh, Rwandan rebels had risen up one morning in the jungle and gone into camp and 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 tourists, foreigners had been killed. So people stopped going there and they needed to bring people back. So there we are, you know, getting up at the, the crack of dawn, as you do, to trail the gorilla poo to try and find them. But I did put myself in the shoes of, of the people that would have been doing exactly what I was doing that morning without knowing that, you know, trouble was literally just around the corner by way of Rwandan rebels. Um, and then you get into um, the jungle and it was where they'd filmed Gorillas in the Mist with Sigourney Weaver. Mm. And we found them. And like that moment where you, and they say, don't look them in the eye, but you can't help. You can't, mm. right? And they say, don't look them in the eye. Don't look them in the eye. And of course, what do I like that? <laughs> <laughs> because there is a humanity to them that is so hard to describe unless you are looking one in the eye. And there were babies roaming around. So we found a mother and her and her babies. And I tried to move out of the way to accommodate a shot. And obviously it got too close because out of nowhere, it was like it was like King Kong. This mm. arm came through and it was the silverback. <gasps> and I was I was, you know, pushed back. I was wow. put in my rightful place. Yeah. <laughs> back I of the bet. queue. Oh my word. It was um, humbling, inspiring, amazing, unforgettable. So and that was holiday show. That was for the holiday yeah. show. No, it was a show. So do you remember that you started doing all these spin-off strands? Because they were like, yeah. Jesus, like six million people watch this stuff. Let's do some more. Yeah. I was like, I'll do it. Um, so then we did this thing called Holiday 10 Best. Oh, yeah. Where yeah. you'd yeah. repurpose old films from holiday. Yeah. But then I'd go off to the number one destination. So it would be like... Yes. No, Best train journey. So like I went, I went to, they, they are, I went to Blue Peru. Train. Yeah, I did Machu Picchu with my yes. dad. My, oh, my nice. dad and I got to go and 
you know, travel yeah. up to Machu Picchu on this glass-fronted train, and then we came back on the on the, you know what the the equivalent of the Orient Express. There, it was, you know, my dad still talks about that. So, yeah. you know, the value of 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 those experiences really does live on, I think. And you can travel to Machu Picchu. The best time to go is in January, and the accommodation is on a room-only basis. Exactly, but your room will feature a shower over the bath. Do you remember when you'd have to do the room shots? You're like, oh, yeah. I hate doing the room shots. She'd have, literally be stood in this room going, "This is it's a room." <laughs> yeah, and if the room was really shit, you'd go. So this is the room. It's um, small, but it's everything you need. Yeah. But with a view like that, you're not going to spend much time inside. Cut to you jumping into the pool. There are three pools in this resort. Most of them won't give you Listeria. Exactly, but there, you know, there were so many experiences, and we're like when we went to Nicaragua, they we stopped off, and so uh, you go into Antigua first, which is this beautiful world heritage city, amazing, and then they went, oh, we're going up to Tikal, and you know what it's like when you're in the rhythm of those shows, like you're doing a trip every other week, it mm. feels like, and so you're just kind of going through the itinerary as as you know, you take it day by day. So go, you're going to Tikal, you're going to the lost city of the jungle. I was like. What's that? Anyway, it was bizarre. It stayed the night at Francis Ford Coppola's lodge on the edge of the lakes, right? Amazing, amazing. And then this um, this guy, this beardy guy, oh, I wish I could remember his name. Anyway, takes us on a trek into the jungle to find the ruins. It's like a Mayan, it's the lost city of the jungle, right? And nobody can work out what happened to everybody. Where did they all go? And the hieroglyphics are amazing. It shows that they were doing, you know, dentistry, open heart surgery, um, cesarean sections, like all this mind blowing stuff. And they were like, would you like to join in on a dig? And I was like, I literally, I remember standing there uh, going, Jesus, pinch me. This is the best job ever. I never want this to end. And I had one of those old brick phones with an aerial that you had to pull up and my phone went, right? So I'm like, hello? And it's my agent saying, this show that they want you to do on ITV, X Factor, the one that you've got to give all this up for. Um, we've just signed Sharon Osbourne. And I remember standing over these ancient ruins going, Sharon Osbourne? Are you kidding me? That's amazing. What a great booking. <laughs> it's just funny how your worlds collide, right? Yeah, it really yeah. is. <laughs> funny, old, funny old life we live, isn't it, Craig? No, it's great. It's great. Got Wouldn't change it for the world. I love you. Oh, thank you so yeah. much for your time today. It's so I'm good. Taking my I'm taking my shoes off now. Oh, yeah. Excited, yeah. Are we getting comfy? <laughs> yes. I feel the smooth coming. Here's the well, weird thing about doing this morning. You, it legitimizes like a three o'clock snooze. <laughs> of course it. You were going to go have a nana nap. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I've got to go to the Kirkland leader to do a Rugby World Cup chat with Brian O'Driscoll and Lawrence Delalio. And uh, I'll have to lose before that. Yeah, totally. It's our age. Mm, Take your shoes yeah. off. Oh, this is how I broadcast in smiley sliders. Oh, no. Stylish. Yeah. Oh, they're great. Thanks. Where'd you get those? Amazon. They even go oh, in the dishwasher. So well I've never even felt your... sexy as I do saying that. My shoes even go in, in the dishwasher. <laughs> Craig, it's so good to see life treating you so well. May that Thank continue. You. And it's been so lovely catching up with you. Really I feel has. like we're in our early 20s again, about to head off to Heathrow. 
<laughs> I know, I know, it's great, it's great. I really enjoyed the 2K, it's always been great talking. My huge thanks to Craig, who you can catch on This Morning and on ITV's rugby coverage. And for more chat with some of his colleagues from This Morning, we've got episodes in the back catalogue with stalwarts like Richard and Judy, Josie Gibson, Ruth Langsford, Eamon Holmes, Fern Britton, Lisa Snowden and so many more. I'll be back on Tuesday with more vintage vignettes from the White Wine Question Time cellar. Until then, thanks so much for your company. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.